devices we're going to cover are not in the order of the questions at the back. Okay, and so we're going to play a game, uh, which is uh, what is the vice? Now, before we do that, um, uh, somebody want to what, what did we talk about last night? Somebody give a summary for uh, Lydia and Celine. What did we talk about last night? Who was awake and Reese? Anything? Do you remember anything from last night? Why do we care about vices? Yeah, why do we care about them? We talked about vices, okay, which are in <laughs> deeply ingrained habits of the heart, and why we care about them. Why do we care about them? Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're kind of habits that, or they can become habits that'll lead that could be reinforced over time, and yeah. if we indulge them, they'll just lead us yeah. to greater destruction. It's exactly right. So they have this very negative impact upon our lives. Okay, so I want you to, I'm going to show you a film clip. It's from um, Cheaper by the Dozen. How many of you know Cheaper by the Dozen? Okay, okay so new, and it is, um, uh, it's a film clip regarding uh, Hank the Boyfriend, who I think bears a striking resemblance to Franco, actually. <laughs> right, here we go. I hope this works. So, um, how's the acting career going, Hank? If it was going any better, there'd have to be two of me. Yeah, we saw you in the commercial with the gargling, the mouthwash ad. You know, the remarkable thing about my career is I only started acting a month ago, and uh, I'm already on TV. It's, it's the real deal. The career is white hot, Tom. <laughs> it's on fire. I read that most actors end up in the food service industry. <laughs> That's not going to happen, Tank. Candidly, I, uh, I think Nora's right. It's really, it's getting so as I can hardly go out in public anymore. I mean, really, with uh, between the autograph hounds and the paparazzi. Autographs and everything? I mean, just the one commercial and then you got paparazzi. Yeah, I've, I've actually, I've never actually seen them, but, you know, they hide in the bush and <laughs> they get their shot. And the crazy thing is that now we're trying to sit at home like regular Joes, <laughs> and we're watching TV, right? And boom, comes on a commercial, and bam, there's me. It's like you expect to see yourself in the mirror, you know, and you expect to be looking at looking at the handsome devil, but not on the, not on the TV like it is. It's like bam, bam, you turn the channel, you turn it, you know, get it out, and it's just it just keeps popping up. It's just like I can I can run from me, but I can't hide from me. What a nightmare! <laughs> 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 All right, so what's the vice? Vainglory. Vainglory, it is. So vainglory uh, images everything. So the question is, is okay, what is uh, vainglory? Okay, have you ever felt disappointed when you do something good, but nobody seems to notice it? Or have you resented, have you ever resented being taken for granted? Okay, that you're being treated like a servant? Or have you felt hurt when you've been overlooked? If people notice other people, but they don't notice you. Okay, now, the question is, why do we have... I mean, I suspect all of us have experienced something like that. The question is, why? And I think the reason is, is that we have two very deep human needs. Okay, we have the need to be thought well of by other people, and we have the need to be well thought of by ourselves. So given that, what I want you to do is just in, uh, just turn around to those around you in small groups and I want you to think, what is vainglory? What might a vice, an over-desire, wanting too much of being seen and affirmed look like? What, what might, how might that play out? 
what what might what might wanting too much to be seen and affirmed look like? Here we go. Just discuss that. In, um, I'll give you one minute on that. Okay. <laughs> All right, just um. Just um, just check out some ideas. What 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 might wanting too much, you know, an over desire for um, affirmation or you know being noticed look like? Anyone? Just throw out some. Step on others. See? Step on others. Oh, you might do, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, anything else? Motivation becomes what people think of you and uh, your driving motivation. Your driving motivation is what other people think of you. Absolutely. Anything else? You might, your mood might be influenced by it. Exactly right. So your inner happiness, okay? If you're being praised, you feel great. And if you're not, you feel rubbish. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the great temptations of the human heart is this desire for glory, for recognition and for approval. And you don't have to be famous to want that. Okay, all of us can desire that at some level. And vainglory is this sort of out-of-control, disordered desire for that recognition and approval of others. And it's the desire to be the centre of attention, to have the attention fixed on you, to have other people notice you. Now, interestingly, vainglory is often um, uh, confused with pride, but they're subtly different. Again, I want to explain how, all right? Um, pride is about me being better than other people, me excelling others. But vainglory is about me putting that out there, my betterness, on public display. Okay. The prideful person wants to be number one and thinks they are number one. What matters to them is the superior status, even if nobody else knows about that. They know it. They know they're better than other people. The vainglorious person, the person who's struggling with vainglory, wants other people to see that. And so they seek attention for themselves. The prideful person wants the honour, they only, a prideful person only wants the honour and the acclaim and the approval of the right people, the people that matter to them, who are, who are important in their eyes. The person with vainglory doesn't much matter, it doesn't much matter to them who's giving them attention, provided somebody is, provided they're getting applause from somewhere, provided there's a group of people who think they're amazing. How many of you know um, Pride and Prejudice? 
Yep, okay, so who is this? Mr. Darcy. Okay. What what sin does Mr. Darcy struggle with? It's pride. It's not vainglory. Okay, he's so proud it doesn't matter to him what certain people think of him because they're beneath him. But for the vainglorious person, the person who's struggling with vainglory, very much it matters to them what other uh, people think of them. And they will eat, the, the person with vainglory will even do things to get attention that the proud person would never dream of doing. They're prepared, low, they're prepared to go low if they can get up high in people's esteem, whereas the proud person would, would never do that. And so vainglory, this vice of vainglory, highlights the wrong ways we go about seeking attention and recognition. Okay, so how does vainglory show itself? Okay, how might it show itself? What, 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 are, what are some ways, I mean, I don't know, have you seen it in friends? Have you seen it in colleagues? Do you see it in yourself? How might a, a problem of vainglory show itself? In, in actual lived out experience, this desire for attention, over desiring it. Anyone? Or needing it too much? I mean, constantly doing things that get attention. Um, Absolutely. Could be a lot of different things. Yep. Speaking all the time? Speaking all the time, like pastors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think vainglory is probably a huge issue for pastors, actually. Um, being the one who speaks a lot, yep. Anything else? Okay, I'll give you some um, examples. Firstly, it boasts. Okay, vainglory self-promotes. And when we boast, we're trying to draw attention to ourselves. So vainglory shows itself when it's got some success to put out there. Okay, so it toasts itself. It shows off its successes. Secondly, we can, um, uh, so we boast, also we can desire glory, we can desire others' applause for something that's not really worthy of glory. It's not really wor worthy of people's applause, but we put it out there anyway to try and get it. You know, like, um, look at my haircut. You know, something Zach will never say. <laughs> um, but you know, it's something that's not worth the glory. Or look, I've got a lovely nail job, have you seen my manicure? And we're, we're trying to attract applause from, for, and get glory for something that isn't, it, that it isn't worth it. Or, you know, if you have uh, kids and they get into an Ivy League university, you let everybody know about that. Because you're getting glory for that from yourself. Is that good? Sure, it's good. But it's not something you particularly need to boast about. Or if you get a really prestigious job, Okay, your paper gets published in some great journal and, and you find yourself wanting to tell everybody about it. So, or we can seek glory through inappropriate ways. You know, we want approval so badly, we will do anything to get it. Even if that means misleading others. Even if it means twisting the truth. Even if it means me taking credit for what somebody else has done, or putting somebody else down so that I get more credit. And so we, we might blame other people for our, our errors, and it's because so we're doing inappropriate things to get the attention, to get the glory. Or we can seek glory from the wrong audience. And um, 
like, you know, and I think this is endemic today, personally, and I, you probably think I'm an old grumpy old man, but there you go. I think when we project our private lives out on the public stage, whether that's through social media or whatever, and we, we put things out there that really should be private, I think that is about trying to get attention on our lives, trying to get the applause of the crowd. Okay, so I'll give you a maybe stupid example of this, but if I, let's say on a Sunday morning, somebody comes up to me afterwards and says, Martin, I really appreciated that sermon, thank you. And at home later on, I said to Sue, do you know, Mrs. Mrs. Smith said she really appreciated the sermon. There's nothing wrong with that. If I were to put that out on Twitter or Instagram to this big audience and say, everybody, Mrs. Smith said my sermon really helped her this morning. And three other, and then later in the week, I say three other people came to me and said they were really helped by that. Okay, why am I doing that? What's going on in my heart that wants that kind of attention, that needs that, that kind of attention? So we, we look for it from the wrong audience. Or, finally, we can um, fail to give God glory or other people glory for our accomplishments. We take credit for something without acknowledging God or all those other people who have helped us get there. And I think a, a really, for those of you who were there, a really great example of how that, of how not to do that, is um, at um, Mark or Andrew's uh, PhD presentations here just a couple of weeks ago. And you get to the end; it's all about you know their publications, their publications, whatever. And then they get to the end and say, "But I could not have done any of this without the late the secretary who organised all my conferences." or my supervisor, or my mates in the lab, and you, you, you're not going to see this, but I want to thank you anyway, or you lot as the church, I could not have gone through this, or both Mark and Andrew both said, you know, we could not have finished our course if Tom and Karen hadn't welcomed them into their home when they were sick. Okay, that's the opposite of vainglory. That's, I mean, that's magnanimity. That is giving others the attention they deserve for helping me achieve what I have achieved. Okay, now I think it's also helpful to distinguish between prideful vainglory and fearful vainglory. How might they be different? How might, what might, what might fearful, I've been talking about prideful vainglory, putting it out there, putting your successes out there, what might fearful vainglory be? Not wanting your failures to be Exactly. So you hide. There's the the vainglorious person, sure they promote, but they also hide. They put stuff out there, but they also um, uh, hide stuff so that you don't see what, it, you know, what they hide their faults and you don't see what they're truly like. So the irony is that as well as putting ourselves out there to get applause, the person with vainglory works hard to try and hide what they're really like. So they, don't, they really don't want to admit their faults. They really don't want to admit when they, when they mess up. They're very hesitant to let other people see their flaws. And that can be exhausting. Constantly living a mask, that can be exhausting. Now, as we're Christians, okay, uh, there is one uh, sort of um, one particular religious manifestation of vainglory, 
I think it's worth just considering, and that's the, the vainglory of the self-righteous. And in the Sermon on the Mount, interestingly, Jesus does not go on the attack against celebrities or secular people. I mean, I suppose you could say some of the religious people were celebrities of their day, but he goes for religious people. On this issue of vainglory, it's religious people he aims at. Okay, just look at Matthew 6, uh, 1 to 7. Actually, I didn't put it on the screen. So, so if you've got a Bible, somebody want to read Matthew 6, 1 to 7 for us? Somebody got it? your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. So they think that they will be hurt for their main words. Okay, and if you look at that, I mean, just think, you know, what is motivating the religious activity of the people he's critiquing? What gain do they, what gain do they get from getting it? And it's all about being seen, it's being well thought of. And Jesus says that's the only reward you're going to get. And the only reward you will get is the applause of others. Now, I don't know about you, I think the reason that is challenging is, is which of us have not uh, tried to appear a better Christian than we really are? Or in a conversation said something that makes us, that we, where we might appear to be, to be better, or we might pray in a certain way so that it sounds good to, 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 other, to, to other people, to, to, um, uh, to impress them, or to speak of spiritual things in a way that maybe makes us look, look more spiritual than we really are. So even in this area of self-righteous vainglory, we can, uh, we can struggle. Okay, now the question is, is why does it matter? Okay, why try and root this sin out? And firstly, of course, because um, like all of them, it multiplies sin, it's a gateway sin. Other stuff comes from this. T.S. Eliot, the, um, the American, uh, then British uh, poet, playwright, he said, most of the trouble in the world is caused by people wanting to be important. And we, we manipulate the truth. We can manipulate the truth so that we look better in other people's eyes. And that can have, um, that can have impact on our lives. It can have impact on other people's lives. If, we, you know, if you've been on the receiving end of this and somebody has has twisted the truth so that you look worse, okay, that can have devastating impacts on your life. And um, 
I think arguably in the last few years we've seen the the impact of what happens when a leader of a at least one leader of a major world power struggles with vainglory this desire for attention and this need to do anything that will get attention as a deep-seated character issue and you can just I mean you can debate the harm that, that that has caused it's a wasp or um, consider the fruit of self-righteous vainglory <laughs> um, think of the harm that self-righteous vainglory does to <laughs> of Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, think of people who are directly damaged by the vainglory of pastors. I mean, I don't know how many of you have read the, um, uh, or listened to the podcast on the rise and fall of Mars Hill, or think of how people are put off by the self-righteousness of religion <coughs> and the, just the damage that self-righteous vainglory can do. Okay, so it, um, it promotes other sin, it's a gateway sin. Secondly, uh, vainglory hurts relationships. Okay, I'm going to show you a clip from uh, The Greatest Showman. And uh, just have a think, as you're watching it, think about vainglory. I drink champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praise my name. The falls of someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years. I chase their cheers, a crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. And from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. Strike you? Is probably clearly not. Okay. So what he says, or yeah, what he says. Forget who you are. Exactly. For others. Absolutely. He, he want the light. That living in the light has just destroyed his his character. He's lived for the applause of politicians and in, important people, uh, and his eyes have been blinded by the light. And then what I think is really interesting: there's this recognition that he needs to come back home. The home 
to where relationships that really matter, to the audience that really counts, to the people who really love him. And that's where he needs to come back home to. Okay, but it, vainglory doesn't just hurt existing relationships. Okay, it also robs us of truly deep relationships because of this issue of vainglory being fearful. Because if you can't, you know, to, to have a really deep friendship, you have to know each other as you really are. But vainglorious people can't let other people know them as they really are. You, you, you can't let the guard down because you're always wanting to present this image, which makes, which makes real deep lasting friendships difficult. Okay, then it's, dis it's self-destructive. It's corrosive to our characters. And uh, the desire for attention and applause can just dam damage and um, uh, dominate our lives. And we won't look at this in detail, we've got time, but you know, Jesus says the Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, they look great. The image they're presenting, great. But inside, their characters are like rotten bones. And it's this, it's this hypocrisy. Okay, so what's the answer? Um, how would you come up with a strategy to help somebody struggling with this inordinate desire for the attention of others? What, what, what would you say to them? Seek approval at the right source. See, great idea. Seek approval at the right source. Yeah. Anything else? That would kill it almost immediately. No, it doesn't, but... Yeah, I should say uh, what others think of us ultimately doesn't actually affect us. Yep. So relativize the opinions of others. Yeah. So it's showing them an example of people who are enormous and seeing how that turns out. Exactly. Absolutely. Ne negative um, examples. Okay. I would start off with um, cultivate humility. If pride is the root of all sin. Humility is the root of all virtue. Bernard of Clairvaux, who's this great um, monastic leader, when he was asked, um, what are the four cardinal virtues, which uh, um, Zach talked about last night, he replied, humility, 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 humility. Those are the four cardinal virtues. And in Paul's words, put off, put on. Put off the desire to be at the centre of attention and put on the desire to grow in humility. You know, there's this famous quote that Tim Keller's used a lot by C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, it is thinking of ourselves less. Again, if vainglory is self-fixation, humility, it's not putting yourself down, it's self-forgetfulness. So, um, the question is, is how do, how do we uh, cultivate humility? And I would say the answer to that is you cultivate humility by seeing God as he really is and seeing ourselves as we really are. And it's seeing God as he really is. That's what humbles Isaiah, if you think about it. Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. How does he know what his situation is really like? Because how, how does he know that he is not this amazing guy? Because he has seen how amazing the Lord is. Or Job, um, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent 
in dust and ashes. It's seeing God, not just theoretically, but actually for who God is to really sink into his heart. That's what humbles Job. And it's when we see the one who is far greater, far more beautiful, far more glorious than us, that we can begin to see our claims for glory for what they are. And that's why you know, both Jeremiah and Paul, Paul quotes Jeremiah and says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay. And then um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Beholding the glory of the Lord, when we see God in his glory, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. When we see God's glory, when we see the glory of Christ, we become less convinced of our own glory and, to Andrew's point, less worried about what other people think of us. And we become more like, more like Christ. So... Let's be asking uh, God to show more of himself to us, that we are growing in our knowledge of his glory, and that relativizes our glory, the beauty of Christ as opposed to our beauty. But also see yourself as you really are. See him as he really is. See yourself as you really are. At the cross, the cross tells us that we, the cross crushes vain glory. Because it tells us what we're really like, that the Son of God had to die to save us. But it also tells you that you are loved beyond measure. And again, that's the approval that you should be looking for. You don't need to earn that. You don't need to promote yourself for that. You already have the approval of the one whose opinion really matters. He loves you. He approves of you. There's a sense in which he applauds you. You know, in Prophet Zephaniah, he sings over you because of Christ, because you are are in Christ. So we don't need to put ourselves out there to feel loved or to win the approval of the one whose approval really counts. Um, So um, cultivate humility, see God as he really is, ourselves as we really are, and then practice solitude, you know, just switch off. Think about taking regular times when you disconnect and you get away from this crazy world of approval and self-publicity. Interestingly, Jesus, he's our great example. He combined these two perfectly, didn't he? He was sociable, mixing with people, being known, and yet he also knew what it was to uh, come apart by himself and spend time with his father, and in a sense to be recalibrated from out of the, um, out of the world. And then finally I would say, uh, practice the celebration of others. Um, you know, humility is not self-promoting. Humility, and again this comes to this idea of magnanimity, hu- humility celebrates the accomplishments and the successes and triumphs of others. It doesn't take credit for them. It just says, that was a great job. And so practice the habit of doing that. You know, a habit is something we practice. So get into the habit of doing that until it becomes second nature to you, until it becomes part of your character.